Hello, my name is Brian Adams. My Dharma name is Wan Seong Dok. I've been a member of the Philadelphia Temple for six years. I like to think of myself as a member of your temple as well. Over the years, I have been lucky to practice with many of your members during retreats at the Wan Dharma Center. I visited your temple a few years ago to attend some services and to lend a hand landscaping your beautiful temple gardens. Reverend Wong Gong has been an important figure in my practice from the beginning, and I know so I'm grateful to have an opportunity to share with you today. I just wanted to share some thoughts on a teaching from the scripture of the Founding Master. That teaching states, all things are created by the mind. This passage appears in chapter 2, verse 27. It is one of those passages where the Founding Master is answering questions from the congregation. A practitioner asks, If someone asks me what we teach and learn in our order, how should I reply? The founding master answers, Buddhism originally teaches one to awaken and know for oneself the principle of all things created by the mind. And you may answer that we teach and learn the same principle. This is a core Buddhist teaching. It is the main teaching that first inspired me to begin practicing many years ago. I remember clearly the first time I read, All things are created by the mind. My first response was, well, That's absolutely true. My second response was, Wait a second. If all things are created by the mind, does that mean I am created by my mind? Through practice and mind study, I'm beginning to see firsthand how my mind creates my world and myself. And I am trying very hard to put this insight into practice in my daily life. As I am beginning to do so, I can see a path that will lead to freedom and self-power. So, how does my mind create my world and my own identity? Well, the only thing my mind does all day every day is come up with ideas. I come up with ideas every time I see something, smell something, taste something, hear something, feel something, or think something. Every sensory condition creates a sensation of some kind in me. That sensation can be pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, and it will trigger an emotional response. As my mind processes my emotional response to the sensory condition, it produces various ideas that shape my perception of the world. Now, I've owned quite a few dogs, and I've learned to train them over the years. I like to think I'm really good with dogs. But a few years ago, a dog bit me on the hand. It was a visla, and it was owned by my brother's mother-in-law. I was visiting their home. I have no idea what happened. I had already petted the dog a few times that day. The dog was just standing in front of me, and I casually reached out with my hand, and he just lunged forward and took a chunk out of it. There I am, feeling physical pain, shock, some anger, and a huge dose of embarrassment. So my mind begins doing its job to process and understand what just happened. It starts constructing ideas and notions to explain what happened and why I am feeling what I feel. It says, that dog's crazy. That's a bad dog. And finally, I hate that dog. 
Throughout my life, my mind creates these notions from everything I experience in every moment. It happens without me even being aware of what's going on. This is neither good nor bad. It's just how the mind organizes sensory conditions so we can navigate everyday life more effectively. The problem is that I tend to misunderstand the relationship between my mind and the sensory conditions I experience. If I look closely at how my mind works, I begin to see that the sensory conditions I engage with do not shape my experience. In fact, it is the other way around. The notions that arise in my mind in response to the sensory conditions are what actually create my experiences. I endow that situation or dog or person with qualities that allow me to blame them for how I feel. When I examine my reaction to the dog attack, I see that in the blink of an eye, I went through a bunch of emotions, then realized that I hated those emotions, to the notion that the dog is crazy and bad, and I end up with, I hate that dog. But it didn't stop there. I ultimately came to the conclusion that all Vislas are crazy and bad, and I don't like them much. Based on a single experience, I assign some negative attributes to one dog, then generalize those attributes over an entire breed. Anytime I see a Visla to this day, I flash to the moment of that bite and I want to throw a rock at it. I do this kind of thing countless times a day with everything I encounter. This is how my mind creates my world as I repeat this process with myriad of sensory conditions I experience every day. This is also how my mind creates me. When it really comes down to it, we tend to identify our personality or selfness through the collection of opinions, likes, and dislikes that we develop over the years. And especially from the stories we cobble together to explain that collection of attachments and discriminations that we call ourselves. As a practitioner, I know that the things around me are not inherently good or bad or pleasant or repulsive or better than this or worse than that. On a good day, I also know that I am not inherently good or bad or smart or stupid. These are just constructs of my mind. The people, places, and situations I encounter are empty of any inherent qualities or intrinsic values. I do not want to throw rocks at Vislas because of those Vislas. I want to do it because of my notions that were created in reaction to being bitten by that one Vizsla. The focus of my practice right now is to penetrate this truth and work with it. The truth that the world I grapple with every day is not the real world as it is, but a world I concoct based on my notions that spring from my arising mind my delusions. The real world is empty of the constructs that I bring to life. I'm trying to internalize the fact that my notions tell me everything about the state of my mind, but nothing about the truth of the world. Nor do they tell me anything about the truth of my own nature. In those brief moments when I clearly see this truth, the world flips around and I get a glimpse of precisely how to remove suffering and how to amplify grace. If I use my mind well the next time I engage with a Vislau or a person I dislike, I can completely change our relationship at will. 
In the moment I meet this person, I can simply see this person as they truly are, untainted by any attachment to my previous perceptions. I can allow them the freedom to be whomever they might be right here, right now. If I use my mind well in this way, I may see that this person has good qualities in this moment, regardless of what I may have experienced with them in the past. I may awaken to the fact that this person is loved by friends and family. I may awaken to the fact that this person truly deserves that love. And I may awaken to the fact that this person deserves my love right here, right now. In this frame of mind, I can always do whatever is needed in every moment and create appropriate Buddha offerings in every situation. This applies to how I deal with myself as well. I tend to use my notions about myself to build a fixed Brian that I think is me. But of course, this is a lie. My idea of who who I am is always changing. From the moment I was born until now, my mind has created millions of versions of me from millions of sensory conditions. But none of those Bryans have been consistent over time, and my mind manifests new Bryans every moment. And this is the power of my mind practice. It proves to me that what I commonly think of me simply does not exist. It also proves that my mind has the power to choose the next million versions of me. Once I recognize that my mind has that power, I can take control of my mind in the moment and choose the way I speak and act in every situation. Once I have the power to control the way I think and speak and act in every situation, I have the absolute freedom to be the Brian I need to be every moment, whether at rest or in action. I have the freedom to be the Brian that will respond with appropriate Buddha offerings at all times, no matter what the sensory conditions may be. In short, if I live in the truth that my mind creates all things, I can awaken to the truth that nothing I have ever been in the past can prevent me from using my mind well right here, right now. And nothing that I ever done in the past can prevent me from using my mind well right here, right now. And most importantly, nothing that has ever happened to me in the past can prevent me from using my mind well right here, right now. The Master said, Just as the eye cannot see itself and the mirror cannot reflect itself, so too sentient beings are bound by a sign of self and unable to see their own faults, only see others' faults. A practitioner observes oneself by transcending both self and others. Hence, he or she understands correctly the faults of both oneself and others. Thank you for listening.